On today's episode, we are tackling one of the most important planning documents that can make or break your wedding, your wedding day timeline. Plus, I have a big fun announcement, so let's get to today's episode. listening to Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verb Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. Hey guys, it's Desiree. Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to thank the sponsors of our podcast. The first sponsor is Lovestream. Lovestream is a one-way, high-definition, high-quality way to stream your wedding and help your guests feel like they're part of the audience at your wedding, even if they're just sitting on their couch at home. They just click your personal URL and they're able to watch without logging in, downloading an app, or messing with their microphone or camera settings. It's designed to be as easy to use for your grandma as it is for all your techie friends. If you want to interact with your guests after your ceremony, Lovestream also offers a Zoom reception option. And for any of you all that are planning a destination wedding after the pandemic, they now offer all-inclusive live streaming destination wedding packages. I really like Lovestream because the platform is so easy to use for any size wedding. They also give you guys, the couples, plenty of attention and help. You can talk with their team and have a meeting before you buy, and they also have a live chat function on their website, which I think is awesome. Any website that has live chat is the best, and they'll answer any question you have before you book or even after. To get 10% off any Lovestream package, visit verveventco.com backslash lovestream and enter the code ASK10, that's A-S-K-10, for 10% off. Again, that's verveventco.com backslash lovestream and use our code ASK10 for 10% off any Lovestream virtual wedding package. The next sponsor of our podcast is Zola. Zola is the next generation of wedding registry, combining gifts, experiences, and cash funds all in one place. One of the things I love about Zola is that they seamlessly link your wedding website and registry. Also, after you set up your registry on Zola, they'll hold your gifts until you're ready to receive them. Maybe you live in the city in a small condo and don't have a ton of extra space like we did, or you're in the process of buying a home and don't want to move all of those gifts from your current place. Whatever it is, Zola won't send your packages until you're ready for them. And if you change your mind and don't want the gift, they make it super easy to get store credit and the gift giver will never know. No more driving to the store to get gift cards that you're going to forget anyways. Zola also makes group gifting super easy for bigger ticket items. Finally, Zola will give you 20% off any remaining gifts on your registry for six months after you say I do. This is way more than most other retailers who only let you use that kind of discount once. Zola lets you use it multiple times for six months. To start building your wedding website and registry, visit verveventco.com backslash Zola. 
the final sponsor of our podcast is another registry that my couples love, which is Honey Fund. Honey Fund helps couples realize their wedding and honeymoon dreams by allowing guests to contribute money towards once-in-a-lifetime experiences, down payments for your first home, and even your favorite charities, which I think is awesome. Guys, I say this all the time, but life is too short to waste it on moments without meeting. What better way to begin your life together as a newly married couple and the end of the pandemic than with the most amazing trip ever? My husband and I honeymooned in Italy, and it is still one of our favorite experiences today, and we've been married for almost 12 years. To get inspired and check out the most sought-after honeymoon destinations, visit verveventco.com backslash honeyfund. And now, on with today's episode. Hi guys, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. I am so excited for our topic, how to put together your wedding day timeline. Because your wedding timeline is one of the most important planning documents of your wedding. Your wedding day timeline is used by all of your vendors to understand the flow of your wedding. It also can make or break your day because if things fall behind, it has a domino effect and the rest of the day can get off the rails if something goes wrong. So it's super important to spend time putting together a solid day of timeline. It's also important to have a good timeline near the beginning of your planning to share with your wedding vendors as you inquire about their services so they understand how much help you're going to need, when they fit into the day, etc. I could literally talk forever about all of the different things you need to consider when putting together your timeline, but we don't have time for that. So in this episode, I'm going to break down the process for you as simply as possible. I'm also going to point out important things to consider when putting together your timeline. And if you want to make your life super easy, you can visit my new resources shop to download pre-made timelines. It's basically a timeline bundle that are beautiful and all ready for you to tweak and personalize to your specific day. These timelines use the framework I use with my own clients and will make sure you don't forget really important elements like travel time, transition time between key events, all the things. You can find the resource shop at shop.verveventco.com. As always, if you're driving or working out or wherever you listen to this podcast, you can get the show notes at verveventco.com backslash 19, that's one nine, for the highlights or to hear the replay. On a personal note, I am super excited because I love this topic. It's also sunny here in Rochester. It's early to mid-March and it's supposed to be 60s outside on Wednesday and I feel like the world is slowly starting to go back to normal so I'm in a really good mood and I love timelines. So In this episode, I'm going to give you seven steps to put together your wedding day timeline, and it's going to break down the process super simply for you, and you're going to love it, I promise. So now let's get to today's topic, how to put together your wedding day timeline. Okay, step one, pick the start time for your reception and ceremony. This might seem counterintuitive to you, but I actually start my timelines by beginning with dinner not with when you need to start getting ready. Problem is you only have so many hours in the day. And if you started your timeline by thinking, oh, okay, I'm gonna wake up at 6.30 a.m., get my breakfast, get my hair and makeup, all the things, you're gonna end up starting at probably the wrong time and then you're gonna end at like midnight or 1 a.m. to fit everything in. So generally, 
you would want to start with the points that actually have specific finite or parameters around them that have already been established. Pick first the start time for your reception and ceremony. Sometimes the the venue will say, oh, we generally recommend that your ceremony starts at 4 p.m. or your church or synagogue will say, oh, we only have ceremonies starting at 1 or 2 p.m., whatever it is. A lot of times my couples and I will say, okay, so what time do you want your cocktail hour to start? Maybe 5 o'clock, maybe 4.30. I've had people say, oh, we really want to get like a lot of partying in. So let's have, you know, let's have cocktail hour start and go from 4.30 to 5.30 and then we'll go right into dinner from that. It just depends. Some people want to have more formal evening meal. So they want to have their cocktail hour start at 6 and then have dinner start at 7 up to you. Now that we've picked the start time for your ceremony and your reception, step two is choosing your reception end time. It might be weird to pick an end time for your wedding, but this is actually an easy thing to do because your reception venue will likely have, again, some parameters of when the event needs to come and end. For example, it might be located in an area with noise restrictions that requires that amplified sound be turned off by 10 p.m. They have neighbors that want there's the loud music turned off or there's noise ordinances that they need to follow. Or for example, your vendors might need to be out of the space by 12 midnight, which means you need to end your reception earlier so that everyone can get everything out of their space. So for example, if everything needs to be picked up and your vendors loaded out of the space by 12 midnight, you would need to end your reception by no later than 11 p.m. And if you want two and a half to three hours of dancing, that means your dinner needs to end by 8 p.m. And dinner takes about two hours. So you would start dinner no later than 6 p.m. See how it kind of falls into place once you start thinking about these things. Generally, cocktail hour takes one hour. I really don't recommend doing longer than one hour. Your guests will start to get antsy. So definitely have it only for an hour. So cocktail hour would be in this example from 5 to 6 p.m. Now, if you're also getting married at the reception venue, you would want to start your ceremony around 4 or 4.30, depending on the length of your ceremony. Most non-religious ceremonies aren't that long. They're like 20 minutes. So definitely take that into consideration. If you are getting married off the property, you would need to make sure you build in travel time between the ceremony and the reception venues or go with the time slots that are available at the place of worship. Just making sure that you're allotting enough time. Some couples like to have as little time as possible between the ceremony ending and the reception and the cocktail hour starting. Others don't have a choice because because they could only get married at 1 or 2 p.m. in the afternoon at the church, that's fine too. Just know that if your guests don't have anything to do between the ceremony end time and your cocktail hour start time while you are taking photos or whatever, if the two places are close enough to each other that your guests can't go to a bar for a drink or make a scenic stop somewhere along the way and you have too much time between your ceremony ending and your cocktail hour starting, your guests are probably going to arrive at your cocktail hour 20 to 30 minutes early. It's just going to happen. Guests have no shame when it comes to this stuff so just plan on that. So yeah, so now that you've picked your ceremony and reception start and end times it's time to think about your wedding photos. So step three is building in time for your wedding photos. So many couples choose the time between their ceremony and reception to take their wedding party and family photos. This is often the case if couples opt not to have a first look between the couple prior to the ceremony. 
other couples want to make sure they attend all of the cocktail hour because they want to visit with family, eat all the delicious food that they picked out. It all depends on you and your priorities. I've had couples do both. The decision to have a first look with each other, meaning you and your partner, or a parent depends on each couple. A lot of photographers and I recommend having a first look between the couple or at least having a lot of the group portraits taken before the ceremony so you have more time to visit with your guests during cocktail hour and to break up all the formal photos. Some of you might know I used to be a dancer and trust me when I say that smiling for even 15 minutes straight, it gets tiring if you're not used to it. Literally, your your smile muscles will get tired around your mouth, but again, it depends on you. If you don't take photos between the ceremony and cocktail hour, you'll need to take them prior to the ceremony or at some point later in the evening, which is often hard to do, plus your makeup isn't as fresh, all the things. So it just depends again on you and your priorities. So that is taking time to build in time for your wedding photos. That's step three. So step four choose a getting ready start time. Now, after you've decided what you want to do about your photos, and again, you don't have to decide it right away. You can build in some time for a cushion. The next thing you need to do is figure out when you need to be getting ready. So getting ready is affected by three main factors. One, the time by which you need to be finished because you need to leave for the ceremony or the first look or your wedding party photos. There's an end time, there's a stop time that you have to definitely stop getting ready so that you can go take your photos. Next, the size of your wedding party and how many people are receiving services. If you only have three attendants that are gonna need hair and makeup, then you're gonna need a lot less time to get ready as opposed to someone that has maybe nine bridesmaids plus moms plus you. That's gonna take a lot longer. Also, the last factor is how many stylists and artists you are hiring. So if you have a large wedding party and say you have nine bridesmaids and you only decide to hire one hair hair stylist and one makeup artist, it's going to take a lot longer for them to do everybody than if you had, for example, nine bridesmaids and two hair stylists and two makeup artists because it's basically going to cut your time in half. So that's just something to think about. Obviously, having another stylist for either one is going to increase the fee a little bit but I highly highly recommend doing it because it's it's going to make your day a lot less less hectic and plus you're not gonna have to get ready at 6 a.m in the morning which nobody wants especially if you've been hanging out and partying and getting together with your guests the night before so just something to think about having a first look or an earlier ceremony time or a large wedding party who needs a lot of hair and makeup services is definitely going to push your start time for your hair and makeup earlier. So again, I definitely consider suggest considering having an additional makeup artist. It's a long day for everybody, but again, it's up to you, your priorities, etc. So that is step four, picking your getting ready time. And again, this is fluid. A lot of times your hair and makeup artists are going to ask how many people need services and what time you need to be finished by. And then they'll work backwards and tell you what time they need to start. So it'll be really, really helpful. All right. Step five, plan out your dinner. So this is when you get into the more nitty gritty of your actual dinner reception timeline. Now that you have the big major events accounted for, you know when your reception and ceremony is starting and ending, you know when you're having your photos taken and you know when you're getting ready, you can start to build in the smaller micro events like your speeches, your toasts, dancing, cake cutting, etc. 
So let's go back to our earlier example of having a 5 p.m. cocktail hour and a 6 p.m. dinner. We don't know what time your ceremony is because it depends on if it's on property, if there's travel time, etc. But let's say you have a 5 p.m. cocktail hour and a 6 p.m. dinner. First, you would start with either introductions of the wedding party or just the couple, and then you would have a blessing or a short welcome, either by you or your parents or both of you guys, and then move quickly into dinner. Guests always look forward to the food. Even if they've been eating and drinking at your cocktail hour, they're definitely ready for dinner. So do not hold them hostage at their seats with nothing to eat or drink while you do 20 minutes of speeches and toast. This is like one of my biggest, biggest pet peeves. And I just hate it when we're just sitting at our seats and people have nothing to do. Yes, they're going to be listening to you, but it's much better if they have something in front of them because they're ready for dinner to start. So serve the first course. And once the staff has served everyone their entree, then I think it's okay to start with your toast and speeches. Some people like to break up everything, you know, serve a course, do a speech, serve a course, do a speech. I just think that up and down is just kind of distracting. Plus, it it really gives your guests time to actually sit down and enjoy their food, have conversation with the people at their table. It's just nicer. But again, it's up to you. Everyone has their own styles and preferences. You can also opt to have your first dance at the beginning, right when you guys are introduced or when you and your wedding party are introduced. But I recommend saving the parent dances for later in the evening just because, again, it's like, okay, now we're going to leave cocktail hour, but then we're going to do all these dances. And I know you guys are hungry, but we're going to do all of our dances first. So just... I think it's better to save them for later, but again, it's up to you. It's always nice also, I think, to have your parent dances or cake cutting kick off the opening of the dance floor as already a lot of your guests are going to be standing because they've been watching you, and then it's easy to shift quickly to the dance floor. So that is step five. Next, we have step six, which is building in transition time. This is super important. It's wise to build in transition time between your different events. Most people don't take time to build in travel time from walking to your hotel room to go to your first look or everyone boarding the limo or everyone traveling to the ceremony or everyone getting on the buses to get to your cocktail hour. Like All these things take time. Um, They also add cushion to your day so you don't get really far behind and you're not stressed out or you can kind of pick up a couple minutes if you are running early. It's just really, really smart to build in transition time. So that's step six. And step seven is add in your vendor setup and departure time. So this is our last step. This information, your vendor setup and departure times, will come as you begin to contract your vendors. Once you've shared your overall framework, this timeline with your vendors, they will have a better idea of when they need to arrive and be ready to go. So don't stress too much about this at the beginning as it's going to evolve as you continue with your wedding planning. At some point, your wedding venue is going to ask when your vendors are going to be arriving. So you can share your timeline that you have with them, ask them when would be a good time to arrive, and then add it into the timeline. So say, if, for example, you're know, really far out and your wedding venue just needs like a very rough skeleton of your day. Great. Send it over to them. They might have some tweaks. If not, great. Then you can share that with your wedding vendors and say, hey, this is what I have plugged in right now. Can you just let me know if this works for you or if you want me to build an extra time for something? A good example is your photographer is going to want to know when you're going to be wrapping up hair and makeup so that they arrive with enough time to capture all of the fun getting ready and wedding day details like your jewelry, your stationery, all that stuff. 
But if you only book them for maybe eight hours, they'll want to make sure that they balance their arrival time with the end of the evening too, so you have enough dance floor coverage. So again, like sharing this information with them is good to have because they're going to be able to give you feedback. Hair and makeup, for example, also is going to ask you when you need to be ready by for photos so that they have enough time to get everybody ready. So again, it's a collaborative process. Take some tweaking. But yeah, I mean, having a lot of people give their feedback is just going to be helpful for you guys. Other vendors that you're going to want to note in your day of timeline um, as far as setup, arrival, and departure, is anyone else that's going to be making deliveries, doing any kind of setup, providing any services like your florist, your cake baker, rental companies like furniture, table settings, etc., your entertainment like your DJ, a band, a string quartet, all of the people, all of the people. So again, sharing with them the timeline as it's progressing just so that they can get eyes on it and give you feedback is super, super helpful. This timeline, again, is going to go through a lot of revisions, but the earlier you get started on it, the better, as it's just going to help everyone do their job well. It's also going to help you with understanding how the day is going to flow. It's going to make you feel like you have more control because you know what's going to come. You know what to expect. I think a lot of couples have anxiety when they don't know what to expect because it's just like a kind of like a, a nebulous thing and they're like, I don't know. So putting this together, even just the bare bones is going to give you a lot more um, comfort. So that's a pretty short episode. But before we wrap up, I'm going to remind you again of the different steps one more time. So step one, pick the start time for your reception and ceremony. Again, that can depend on the venue. It can depend on where you're getting married, etc. Step two, choose your reception and time. So you can kind of work backwards from there. Step three, build in time for photos. That's your wedding party photos, your family photos, your first look, any large family photo gatherings, your wedding portraits, all of that stuff. Your wedding photographer is definitely going to have input on this, so share that with them. Step four is choose a getting ready start time. So again, this is going to depend on how many people need services, when you need to be finished by, etc. Step five, plan out your dinner. So once you've got those big major events planned out, then you can kind of start tweaking and putting together your reception timeline with your cake cutting, your dances, all that stuff. Step six, making sure you're building in that transition time between your different events. And step seven, adding in your vendor setup and departure times. This is again helpful because it gives vendors an idea of where they fit into the day, your venue and your planner can know when to expect they're going to be arriving and departing so that they can say, oh, I think that they should arrive earlier, etc. Yeah. And there you have it. I hope that this episode helped you get a better idea of how to put together your wedding day timeline. If you have any questions at all, I am more than happy to answer them. Just send me a DM on Instagram at asktheplannerpodcast. I respond to everyone, probably with a voice text because it's a lot fun. It's, It's easier. I think you guys like them. So I'm happy to respond to your questions. If you want more help, I'm always happy to jump on a call with you and set up a clarity call. So you can book that at verveventco.com backslash clarity. Also, like I mentioned before, the new Ask the Planner resources shop is now open with amazing planning timelines and templates to help you plan your wedding. If there's something that you're looking for that's not in the shop, definitely let me know. I want to create resources that you want that will help you, that will help you with your planning, that would give you a more effortless feeling with your wedding planning, make you less stressed. So just let me know what you're looking for. 
And finally, please, I would love it if you would leave a review for the podcast if you like this episode. Reviews are so helpful to us podcasters because it just helps other listeners find the show. And that is it for all of today's episode. Next week's episode will be another Wedding Tip Wednesday, and then I interview an incredibly talented wedding cake baker in episode 21. If you're getting married this summer, it's definitely time to start thinking about your wedding cake, so stay tuned for that episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you. 